Well, welcome back. I am back and alive Woo! amongst the land yeah. of the living. I cannot believe it. The podcast survived. While I was gone, there was life. More, more or less. More or less. The life was in the room, and I could not believe it. I, I'm so grateful to these folks here around the table, Gracie, Ben, and Isaac, for keeping the podcast going while I was gone. Heard some great stories along the way of Isaac nearly kill, killing a bear. Very sad story. And very sad story. There, I mean, it almost could hear the violins, really. I mean, it yeah. was just, it was a sad, sad Tears moment. Tears were flowing. Yeah. But I am back from sabbatical. I'm glad to, to be here and get a chance to share some stories with you hopefully a little bit about the trip but also get a chance to, to dive back into the the bread truck monday yep. the bread truck monday um I, I don't know how how do you guys feel it's been going was there was there like some some deflated wheels on the bread truck as it was <laughs> going along or what, what did you think about that it was chugging along for a little while there. it was chugging yeah, okay it was good kind of sputter and chutter yeah. <laughs> this was this was aaron's brainchild this podcast so we really needed to do you some honor and at least chug it along well so it, it was chugging I, I yeah. could i could feel some chug going on there yeah. i kind of like the one too when it was just you and ben back and forth it's kind of like one-on-one yeah. -on -one. that was kind of yeah. a cool little thing gracie great job moderating the, yeah. the podcast over the course of the time you were asking some 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 brilliant questions to your dad that he was left stumped Shut him down thank you shout out to google shout out to google <laughs> she was using chat, chat yeah, she was using chat gpt she had her ai going and she was just going through it actually it wasn't even gracie's voice it was just uh, exactly. ai that was coming through the, the uh, entire time she's not here yeah she's physically still not here no i'm joking um but no i i just got back from sabbatical we went uh for eight weeks um had a chance to travel kind of through most of of europe or at least the southern parts of europe and uh had an awesome time great chance to be with my family Family. We were gone for a total of 64 days, Dang. 64 days with my family, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Were you guys like ready to kill each other by the end of it? There were some times, there were some moments that, that we had to like, especially on the trains with the kids, you know, they like, they physically could not sit next to each other. Like it was like elbows, like punches. And I'm like, okay, you sit over here. You sit over <laughs> here. We're going to just try to have as much separation as physically possible. But, um, but I think it's good. I mean, it's kind of funny. We were, we've been noticing, I think that now they've gotten home, they're actually kind of giving each other a little bit more space, mm -hmm. which before it was like, would you play with me or whatever? No, that's not happening anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to be over here reading, like you go outside kind of a thing and stuff. So, um, but we did realize definitely on, on the trip because of the fact that we were uh, in apartments a lot that like we need space to run around. I mean, they, mm -hmm. the kids need like some room to have their own, own space. And so we come back and the weather's great here in Lapine until now. And there's smoke <laughs> everywhere. So we get like the total of three weeks weeks of uh, great weather here in Lapine and then eventually you're over it's smoke over until October the either smoke snow or summer or, 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 or mosquitoes oh mosquitoes. true yeah There's mosquitoes <laughs> three seasons the, the, smoke, it's a three snow. seasons playground three season playground yeah, yeah you got to try to get up a little bit higher without the mosquitoes um, but yeah no so we're going to dive in here just a little bit to uh to with the Sunday's uh, sermon, the great, great story. I mean, amazing sermon. People's uh, lives are definitely touched by what Ben was saying on Sunday. But as you said, it's the greatest story ever told it, it in is. terms of it being an actual parable. But just wanted to, how about you guys? Any questions you have for me, like while I was gone? And kind of, we'll just kind of open it up with that and then yeah. go, go around, the, around the horn from there. I mean, can you just give us a quick rundown of the itinerary real briefly? Kind of, yeah. So we, we, uh, we left here in Lapine and went down to, uh, 
to California for a couple of days to celebrate my my mother in law's 60th birthday. Shout out Cheryl. She Ooh, turned 60, so and so so we had a chance to, to be with her on that time, and then we flew out to uh, London. We went to London first. Um, it was it, really cool. I never obviously have been to the UK. Um, obviously very similar to here, um, but it was, it was neat to have the opportunity to, to see life in a different way, drive on the other side of the road. I didn't drive personally, but I got a chance to, to ride shotgun where you actually would have the steering wheel, but you're just like, it's weird. You know, it's just the da- dashboard is there. Isaac does that every day in America. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he's going like over like 100 miles an hour over, over the bumps. Yeah. Eating a full roasted chicken. <laughs> <laughs> full roasted. On the wrong side of the road. Just cracking it open. Um, but yes, yeah, so we went there first and then uh, we took the chunk under the ocean like because the actual train goes it does so it goes from uh london to to france we went to paris but it goes underneath the ocean they dug a full uh, that is incredible it's incredible and you're going super fast like a hundred and almost 200 miles an hour is how fast this train is can you see yeah well it's black you're in a tunnel so yeah Yeah. it wouldn't be like glass (laughs) (laughs) you're just going through the water (laughs) no that would be very unsafe um, you're, yeah, so you just go and then you dive underground and then you're like in blackness until you pop out in France. So pretty cool. How long cool. does that take you? Quite a while. Probably in darkness for probably for 35, 40 minutes. Jeez. Yeah, but yeah, because you're going so fast, you know, once you get, get through there and stuff. So we did that and then we uh, went to Paris for uh, about a week. Got a chance to go to Disneyland Paris, mm-hmm. which was really kind of cool because um, I, I grew up down or I went to college down in, in Southern California. So we went to Disneyland all the time. And so got a chance to kind of do the, the, the Paris Disney one, which is really neat. Um, then we went from there to Switzerland, which is an amazing place. If you've ever want to try to travel and go completely broke, feel free to go to Switzerland. <laughs> it, it, it is so so expensive everything is incredibly expensive there but it's gorgeous like uh mountains everywhere um we were in the alps we went up to to the matterhorn to the actual matterhorn not like the one from disneyland but the real one um which is amazing um and then we went down to italy for two weeks got a chance to go to venice and see pisa and down to the amalfi coast and then to rome um kind of bounced around we're on trains a lot of time and then we went over to greece um, Greece was uh, kind of a surprising place for us because we didn't realize how good Greek food is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't had Greek food, you should definitely go check it out. That nice soft pita mm-hmm. just grilled up with, Ugh. oh man, it is incredible, incredible. And they love to do barbecue. So like the, the souflaki and that kind of thing was amazing. Then we went from there out to Milos, which is an island. Uh, shout out Isaac. He told me about Milos. And so we got a chance to, to go there. And it was it's a, it's a cool place. They It's a small little, island where there's basically like there are cars but they're just small cars and then people if you if you're like a, a guest or like a person that's touring there you can rent quads and so you just like ride quads down the highway serious they're like just just like motoring two people on a quad which is pretty neat um then we went from there to egypt um which was serious transition oh my goodness it was absolutely wild um I've never been in a place where it's so directly connected to religion and politics are so connected. 90% of uh, Egypt is is Muslim. And so you hear the call to prayer five times a day. Everybody's wearing like the full like outfit every single mo- moment that you're there. Um, it's I mean, it's, it's interesting for sure. Um, one quick story about that, though. We had, so the, fir- the first day that we get to Cairo, 
We land in Cairo and it was kind of our fault, but we, uh, we didn't have any cash on us because we'd been using our, like our debit card and credit cards wherever we went. But Egypt does like all cash, like cash everywhere. And it's like the, the Egyptian pound is not very strong at all. Like it's actually super, super weak. So it takes like, you know, like if you said like 10 pound in Egyptian, that's like 38 cents in the US. So it's like, so that means that you can buy stuff with 10 pound and it'd be like said 38 cents here. So we're like, okay, we'll be fine. We'll just use our card when we get there. So we, we land in Cairo. It starts getting dark because like everything in Egypt runs long. So like the, the planes were delayed. Our baggage coming out of baggage claim took an hour. So we're sitting at baggage claim for an hour. Finally, when the actual like carousel started, people started cheering. They're like, <laughs> uh, so finally it took an hour. We get out to the, to the, like where I'm going to get picked up by an Uber and people are just right in my face because they want they want you to like to take a ride with them and, and get the money from you that you're going to use for for the taxi so guys are yelling at me and i'm waiting for my uber uber finally comes it takes an hour and it's the craziest driving we've ever experienced i mean it was a six lane highway that they had turned into 20 lanes I'm, I'm serious like there and there's no like no one slows down so they're going like 60 70 kilometers an hour which isn't crazy fast but they don't ever like pause. So if you have somebody in front of you that's a, like a warning, you just honk. And then, you, then if they're in the way again, double honk. And then if they're going to hit them, three honks. And, and that's basically the, the entire thing. So we make our way. Finally, it's, it's getting darker and darker. We, we make it to our Airbnb. And this is crazy. But we, we get dropped off. And we had no idea who we were supposed to meet at the Airbnb. So we're walking like around the corner. And there's this guy that appears to be homeless like sitting on the, on the side of the street. I'm not joking. He's laying, he's sitting on the side of the street and he starts yelling at us. Yada, yada. And I'm like, what in the world? That was the name of the person who owned the Airbnb. So what he meant, he was supposed to let us in this, like essentially what we thought was a homeless guy was going to, and he did, he got up and he's like, Hey, and then he like let us into the Airbnb. And so we're, we're like, by this point we're in full body sweat. Cause it's like a hundred degrees and it's dark. We have no food, no money. And we're like, okay, we need to go out and buy some food. So we walked down the street and they had told us there's like a, a grocery store down there. No, no grocery store whatsoever. We're just walking down. And my daughter, she gets more and more like scared. Like, yeah. every, and so she starts like kind of crying. She's like, she's like, Aww. we're not going to be able to eat. You know, she's, she's getting more and more worried. <laughs> and because it's just, whenever it's dark, it's like, 10 times scarier, right? Because right, yeah. you just don't know what you're seeing and Especially everything. Especially in a foreign place like that. Yeah, and the first time you, you get there. So we're like, okay, we got to go get some foods. We found this little like area that had like kind of like food carts to some extent, obviously a different but Egyptian. But so we, you have to pay a ticket to get into the actual like food cart area. And I had only 20 pound on me. That's all I had. So I gave him my last 20 pound. We go in there, we get to the counter and the guy's like, we don't take card, cash only. And I was like, well, is there an ATM? And he's like, he's like, no. <laughs> and he's like, you can go down that street down there. Just point in a direction. So we talk, take off. We start walking oh with the kids. Gosh. By this point, it's like nine o'clock at night, dark. And there's people everywhere. That's a, a story for a different time. But people everywhere. We're walking and walking along. And we, we can't find an ATM. Can't find an ATM. We just keep walking. There's like, I mean, we're the only like white people on this entire major street. So as we start walking, Heather decides that she's like, we got to get food right away. She's like, maybe I can like with a little amount of money I have, maybe I can just buy bread from a person right on the street. So she goes up and talks to this guy to buy bread. And all he has is moldy bread. I'm not, I'm not joking. <laughs> the, like up on top of this thing, it's all moldy. And he's like, he's like, no, no moldy. No. 
So he wouldn't, he wouldn't sell her the bread. And I'm starting to get more and more panicked, right? Like I'm full body sweat, just like getting worried. And this is where things get crazy. So this guy comes up to us and he grabs my shoulders, two hands, grabs my shoulders. And like Egyptians, they don't really touch you. Like, especially if you're like an American, he grabs my shoulders. He looks in my eyes. He goes, I can help you. I speak English. And I'm like, okay, like I, I need an, I need an ATM. He's like, Michael. no, this is where it gets crazy. He, he's like, I need an ATM. He's like, well, there's, there's one 500 meters down this road on the left-hand side. There'll be an ATM. You just need to head down that way. And I'm like, okay, can I, can I follow you basically? I didn't say this, but in my mind, I'm thinking like, he's going to lead me this way. So he takes his hands off my shoulders. He walks ahead and there's like two or three people like in front of us. He walks between those two or three people and he disappears. What? No joke. Just like, uh, cause I'm trying to follow him. Like I've, I'm holding on to McKenna we're, and Parker. We're trying to get our way through. He's gone. And I'm like, was that an eight? Like there, that hat. Cause it, once he touched my shoulders, I felt peace. No oh. joke. Felt peace, and, I, and I, he was looking in my eyes, and he's like, I, I'm, I'm British, I, mean, I speak English, I can help you. And so then, he, sure enough, we go down 500 meters, there's an ATM, wow. the, one, the one is broken, the other one is broke. we have two of them, two of them are broken, finally we get to the third one, and we actually get cash out, we get food, we head back to the, to the Airbnb and go to bed, but like, we hadn't eaten until like 10 o'clock at night that night, but it, we literally probably had like oh, an angel God. experience. That's, That's amazing. Yeah. It was in just the nick of time too. Yeah. I mean, cause we were just getting so more and more scared, more and more nervous. And it just, kinda, you wouldn't have found that ATM either. 500 meters. That's no, that's pretty far. That's, that's, yeah. That's pretty far. I mean, it, especially when you're like, when you're already nervous and you're still walking, you're like, I don't know if we're ever going to get there. Cause I was going to go down the side street. I told Heather, I'm like, we should go down this side street. She's like, no, we're not, we're not going down this side street and stuff. <laughs> but, but so the Lord was with us. That's the thing that we definitely learned from the, the, the trip is that like, I was telling these guys uh, last week in staff meeting that, you know, I was in prayer like constantly just because, you know, praying for safety and health and just keeping myself, you know, focused because I said, there's so many things that could go wrong and praise the Lord. None of them really did. Um, but I said in that moment, I felt like God's presence was in that time because I said it was such chaos, like all around us at all. I mean, there was, there was three sheep literally tied up on the side of the street that they were getting ready to sacrifice. Again, I'll tell that story another time, <laughs> like literally on the street, tied up heads like on the ground full sheep so i'll tell you this right another time um but so yeah so we felt god's presence with us we then flew back from egypt to costa rica um and had spent some time with some friends that are that are really good friends of ours and then we were back home but so from the time we left our house to when we got back was 64 days wow so i i've I've never like been away from home that long so it was i was definitely ready for uh, it to have some amount of time just to decompress and, and be back so but yeah so great trip there'll be a lot of other stories that i'll tell along the way but um but yeah learned learned a lot about our family and um spent a lot of time together which is what the whole point is i think of just trying to get a chance to rest and and we did have a lot of time to rest and relax and everything and stuff so it was good it was really really awesome. good any other th- questions you had ben from from the, the time when i was away i was just going to ask you highest high lowest low but it sounds like that was kind of a a high point um, as far as how it turned out a pretty low point in terms of how it started but. yeah I mean I think some of the lower lower points we, we didn't have that many I mean like there was a couple times that things just got canceled that which was, was like we, we went out to the ferry dock uh, and we were down um, in Sorrento or sorry in the Amalfi in the Amalfi coast and we were on the the, the ferry dock and the we go to talk to the lady we're like we're gonna be on the 1050 ferry and she's like no we canceled that and I was like what 
She's like, yeah, it's canceled. It's not coming. I'm like, so what do we do? She's like, well, you can go buy more tickets. So, so we had to go buy more tickets for a different ferry company because that company was like, nah, we're just, we're just going to choose not to, to work today. Even so. though you already bought tickets yeah. for it? Yeah, we had tickets. And they're Unbelievable. Like, they're like, we, we'll reimburse them. No, they didn't reimburse anything. So, <laughs> so I mean, there's a couple of lows that were there. I mean, but highs, obviously, got getting to see things that we always wanted to see. And going. we went inside the pyramids. That was awesome so very cool very cool experience it's way smaller than you would think uh, yeah the pictures look like you were just like four foot tall maybe some pretty much i had like huge, fully, fully tunnels, bent over four foot tall yeah 85 meters in oh like wow it was it was really really neat so those kind of highs uh other you know getting to see things that are super super old i mean that that was kind of cool mm-hmm. but what about you gracie i know that language barriers just exhaust you they so do how, they do how how much of the, I guess, like what percentage of the countries that you went to, did many of them speak English? Or yeah, the, what's kind of cool? I think we're in a really unique time in history, like I, I'm like modern history. Everybody has a basic understanding of English, pretty much wherever you go. I mean, as long as you're like cordial and striving to like speak the language, you know, we learned certain phrases pretty much for every single like place we went, just to kind of like you know, hello please, thank you, you know, where is this and that kind of thing. And then after that, most people speak English. The only place where that was like drastically different was in Egypt because yeah. like we'd get into an Uber and you, you know, you call it up on the phone and then they, they'd show up like, you speak English? They're like, no. I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> so then you just sit in silence as you're just like, you know, driving along, hoping they take you in the right direction, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, which, I mean, you could look on the app to see if that's going to go that way. So it wasn't as bad as, as you would think. I mean, you just have to, you have to keep aware. Like that's one of the things is like just being aware and, and like pretty much everywhere has signs. Like even like in Switzerland, you know, they have like, they speak Swiss German and it's like a one word is like 28 letters. And you're like, what in the world is that word? But then underneath of it, it'll have like English, like, so you know kind of what it is. So it's not terrible. Um, I think we're in a unique time in, in the world where you can travel if you speak English and be completely fine. Um, pretty much everywhere you go. So that, I, I don't let, don't let deter, that deter people. Like if people are like, I just don't know why I speak the language. You can pretty much go anywhere. I mean, we were like way out in the boonies and people were like speaking English. So every, English is taught pretty much in every school across the world, which is kind of a little bit annoying. You think about here, it's like people end up speaking like one language and that's all they have for their whole life. You know, mm-hmm. it's like we, you should probably expand some of those things and stuff. So, but yeah, no, I had a great time. My, oh, yeah. Man, we are so glad to have you back, Ben yeah. and, and I and Gracie. It's just different in the office without you, so it's good to have you back. Not nearly as many laughs. It's just so not quiet. Many, not nearly as much abuse. Like, I, I'm just too loud. The rest of us are no, really boring. No, it's just kind of boring. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're the secret sauce, man. Well, I hope to, to bring some life back to, to the world yeah, here. No, I'm joking. Um, no, you guys did a great job, and, and I'm so encouraged by what the church is, is doing right now, and just seeing the baptisms over and over again yeah. that took place while I was gone. Uh, I mean, not that, not that that has anything to do with us as a staff or anything, but just seeing lives that have been changed. Yeah. I mean, we, we've never, as a church, never hit you know, 50 baptisms on a, on a, in a year, and we're already like at 40 by the, this mm-hmm. point in the year. So keep moving forward, and God's going to keep doing great things. We know the fall is going to be overwhelming and shocking, I think, when it mm-hmm. comes to the amount of people that walk through these doors. So we're looking forward to that, and we know that God's going to be with us, but, you know, we're starting to prepare for those things too as well. So this Sunday, this Sunday, we dove into the story of the greatest runaway story of all time. Um 
So you called this this story the Lost Boys. Yeah. Um, why'd you call it that? And and we're we're gonna dive into this great great story today. Yeah. Well, it's obviously kind of a play off the Peter Pan Lost Boys idea, but we normally think of this story we think of a lost son, but um, and we forget that there's actually two sons in the story, and you know, one of them is obviously you know traveled to a distant country and so forth with the prodigal. But, um, but there's another son that's at home that refuses to come into the party. So I think you can be home and not be in the party. And, um, that's one of the major issues that we see in the text. And so it's, it's easy to forget that there's two, there's two boys in this story. And, um, they're just because you are home, quote unquote, home, on the property doesn't mean you're in the party. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of talked a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. I loved your quote there at the end. Uh, You can be as lost on the porch as you are in the pigsty. And it's like, man, that's such a a great uh, sentiment because you're, yeah, you could, you could be as close to, as close physically, right, yeah, to God yeah. as you, you can, but you're still so far away from him, like, in mm-hmm. terms of how you're living your life and everything and stuff, right, so. Right, um, So you you dove into first that uh, God loves you enough to let you go. Um, hard, hard point. Um what did you What did you get from that, Isaac? I mean, that's that's a tough st- uh, sentiment and you kind of a tough love idea. Yeah, it's something that you see in Scripture a couple of times. Um, even when I was reading in the Book of Psalms the other day, there's a psalm that talks about how Israel rebelled against God, and so God gave them up to their desires. In the Book of Romans, you see that too, where God gives them over. Um, so you know you can only imagine how much that is difficult for God to do, to, to allow them to walk away like that. But there is this sense, and this is what Ben said yesterday, that if we are truly given free will as humans, then God has to allow us to freely choose him or to freely choose against him. And um, I think that Jesus does just an awesome job, like just making that point clear here that he's going to let people walk away. Um, and that breaks the father's heart. And that doesn't mean the father doesn't have his hand to his forehead looking out for his son to come home. Um, but sometimes, like you said, Ben, going out and seeking a rescue before they reach rock bottom can be one of the worst things you can do for them. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Gracie, you're in this place now where you're reaching into adulthood and everything. Has there been moments now where your parents have let you go and make your own decisions? And they're just like, well, good luck. <laughs> has, has, that, has that happened yet? I'm trying to think. Um Kind of moving out to Eastern Oregon for a while was a little bit of that. Like, I just, it was weird. I went from, you know, living at home, never really have moved anywhere, to just going, like, by myself Mm -hmm. to a place that I knew, like, one family, and that was it. Wow. Um, So that was kind of their, they were like, well, Go ahead. If you want to do this, like go for it. Good luck. We love you. Bye. (laughs) We love you. Bye. Did you squander your wealth in wild living? (laughs) (laughs) No. Nope. I didn't get too wild over there. No, it was it was a good experience, but it was definitely different. Like the amount of times that I called my mom and my dad, just like, what do I do here? Yeah. Like especially um, in relationships. Like I was like, what do I do with this? And they were like, I don't know. Do what, do what you want to do. Yeah. I was like, well, for all my life, like I've been told what I should do. And now you're telling me figure it out. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was at college at at Hope, I I was so poor and I mean, I had like no money whatsoever. And, uh, I, I went to go do my laundry 
and I had no quarters. And I called my dad. I'm like, dad, I don't know what to do. I, I have no quarters. He's like, good luck. Like that, that was it. And it was like, I was like, don't you care about me? You know, kind of a thing. But you're just like, yeah. I mean, I've obviously been now being a father in this time. Do you feel those moments where you kind of are like the father to say, well, take, take what you have and, and go for it kind of yeah. a thing. How does yeah. that feel? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a little bit different in, in my case because I don't feel like I'm sending her out to something bad. Right. I, 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 there's a difference between um, giving your kids freedom as they spread their wings and leave the nest versus kind of a premature, um, I guess, uh, when, you know that, when you know you're sending your kid out and they're not in a good place spiritually. Yeah. They're not... The boy in the story leaves because he's in a bad place spiritually, and he doesn't want anything to do with his father. And as a matter of fact, he he's burning that bridge really as he leaves home. And I and that's a different sort of a. So I, I can't really say I can identify with the father in that way, at least not for Gracie. Yeah, because I, mean, I don't feel like she well, left think, in a bad place spiritually. I, what I mean by that is like as a father gets to a place where a child is becoming making their own choices, own decisions. And there has to be a moment, and probably already has, where you're just mm-hmm. like, I disagree with what you're doing, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. And it may not even be bad stuff. True. You know, you bought that big red truck, right? You <laughs> love that truck. But I remember you saying, well, good luck. <laughs> 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 Gas prices are going to bo- Yeah, like, that's a good point. Go through the roof, you know? Yeah. But you have to let them go. Right. You, you right. have to love them enough to let them go and make the, the choices that are there, um, even if you don't always agree with them. Well, I think as parents, I mean... Um, we all, when we were growing up, we, we learned a lot of lessons the hard way and we still do, you know, even as adults. And I guess the difference between being a child and being an adult is that your parents will cover for your bad decisions when you're a child. But as you get into adulthood and you start making decisions, then you have to live with, with the consequences, good or bad. And so, you know, I, I, my parenting style is, is keep, keep a close rein on things when they're young, but as they get older, you got to give them enough rope, but not quite enough to hang themselves with, you right. know? And so, you know, they, they, young people have to, you know, go out and make decisions. And I think sometimes, you know, I could, I could say to Gracie on certain things, I could say, you know, I forbid you to do this because I think it's going to have a bad outcome. Or I could say, well, hmm, I could do it that way, but maybe that's not the best way for her to learn that lesson. Yeah. And maybe the best way to learn the lesson is to, especially on things that are smaller that you're like, eh, it'll have a little bit of a bad outcome, but it'll be a good lesson. Hmm. And so it's like, okay, on some of that stuff, it's like, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with her, um, you know, finding this out for herself. And maybe it won't turn out bad. I may not be right all the time too. That's, that's also <laughs> true, but but um, that's never the case. But, but Tracy, right? the time, he's he's, he's, he's right all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, not to say I told you so, but um, but yeah, that's that's there's two ways to learn this. I think the the kid in our story, yeah, I think the father knows full well that it's not going to go well. Yeah, it's not going to go well, and maybe that's why he's watching for his son because he's like, well, when he parties himself out and things. Uh, you know, things are at rock bottom. He'll be coming home. I think there's a lesson here too in, in regards to 
how the father lets him go and the the grace and compassion that he lets him go with. And I think we focus a lot on the compassion that he receives him with, which is huge, but there's also a compassion and a mercy in letting him go. And that's something I encourage my parents with a lot in youth ministry is that parenting is a long, like it's a long game. And you gotta, you gotta, when a student in my youth ministry makes a bad decision, I have to understand that my relationship with them ideally needs to extend into the years ahead, not just this consequence that I want to extend in the next 10 minutes. The way this father extended compassion to let him go, and he didn't burn the bridge with his son, allowed the son to know that when he came back, there would be a father who would, at least in some degree, receive him. And I think if the father would have flipped out, if he would have lost his stuff on the son, maybe the son wouldn't have even attempted to come back. Mm. And so I think to keep that long vision of parenting where He's going to make a stupid decision. I'm going to let him go. and I'm going to let him go in some degree of compassion and mercy so that he knows that there's a place to return to is really important. Too. What do we say to parents that have prodigal children? You know, like that's one of the things I think we hear a lot of times, especially from, uh, you know, older parents, not, not necessarily like youth group aged parents, but parents, their kids are in their 20s, 30s, and they've prodigal and left. I think this story is pow- well, definitely powerful for those parents. But what do we say to them in regards to how do you let them go in that way with love at the same time realizing like they need help, they need to be reached out to? I mean, that I think that's one of the things that hurts a lot of the hearts of many people in our congregation. Mm-hmm. So what do we say to those people? The thing I said yesterday was, First of all, we acknowledge the pain, but I think secondly, um, not that this really helps their relationship with their child, but it it is interesting to note that when you have a prodigal child, you have a new insight and a unique insight into how God feels mm-hmm. um, when there's billions of people roaming this planet who have no thought of him. They've, you know done everything they can to forget about him. And I think, I think that's worth pointing out. Um, and and I, another thing I tell parents all the time is like, hey, there's always hope. And the last chapter has not been written for your child. And so, you know, to keep, like Isaac said, keep the long game in mind and um, hold out hope that they will turn a corner at some point and come hit rock bottom and, and, and return to whatever it is, whether it's a relationship with you or return to their values they were raised with or return ultimately to the Lord, which is the best kind of coming home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think, again, that that is the the image of the father is so, um, so powerful with what Isaac had said, where he's constantly still searching, right? And if you take that, you extrapolate out that analogy of how a parent continue, can continue to search out for their child, be in prayer for them, be constantly, you know, there if they, when they are prodigaling around, kind of giving them a chance to know this is a safe place to come home to. And when they do turn a chance for grace and, and not the, not the, I told you so, Mm because I think that is where those relationships are burned more than, than healed, right? Is when the child does try to come home and the parent says, well, I told you so. You shouldn't have been this way. And just like you said, that story in the, in the, the Buddhist story where the parent basically did that, right? He basically said, until you get your life back in line, mm-hmm. then I'll love you. 
And the, that's the exact opposite of what we see in, in, in God. God's unconditional love for us is in the way that he will continually be there for us. He'll run to us. I mean, Heather and I were listening to the sermon yesterday and we're like, we saw those guys in like the full, you know, like hmm. dress style things. You're not going to run in those. No. I mean, it is almost, it'd be impossible because you just fall down. Well, I mean, <laughs> you'd, have to, you'd have to hike them up. And right. That's the, that's the shameful part. Yeah, I you think, have to, you have to hike culture, them up. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, so second point you w- went through is that uh, living it up always lets you down. I think that's a very self-explanatory one. You can talk to any recovery person in the entire in our church or anywhere and say, "Did it ever really like? Maybe it was happy and exciting for the moment, but it always like comes crashing down, right?" Yep. There's always a low after the high. Yeah. Yep. In every situation, there's all people that are who are um, addicts or or drunks always have their story of like the come down was the worst, right? Mm-hmm. And that's gonna that's what they try to keep that high. Yeah, but it's not just that. I mean, I tried to extrapolate this out even to other sinful things, like um, you, when you live with the wrong priorities, for instance. You know, you live with an eye toward how can I get rich. Um, and then you realize when you reach a certain threshold of wealth that I just need a little bit more, you know. And so it, it, greed is never satisfied. And, and this is true of all sin. Sin does not stay in its lane, and it will take over your life. And so what you initially see as exhilarating freedom <laughs> um, turns into um, bondage, mm. And so we kind of covered that with things like materialism and workaholism and some of those other isms that we can fall prey to. So it's not just addiction, but I think addiction is a great example, not only because I think it's um, at least implied in the story here, but, um, but it's also one that a lot of people have experienced. And it, it, it's, a very, uh, it's a very obvious example yeah. of the letdown, you know, the hangover or the coming down off of whatever you've been on, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, and so he experiences this, he ends up in the pig pen. We kind of all know the story. Um, he comes to his senses and he, he decides that he's going to come home and return as, as a servant, return as a slave. And his father welcomes him in as a son once again. And then we get to the most, uh, probably the more interesting part of the whole story is the other lost boy. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so for us around this table, we have all been that other boy. Right, we have all uh, us four right have grown up in the church, uh, have been inside of an environment where we th- probably in our minds have thought we deserve a really nice mansion when we get to heaven because of the fact that we have been so faithful and so committed. Um, and so, when we see people who are coming to the Lord on their deathbed, there can be a chance for. Um, frustration about that a chance for us to say that's not fair um what do we what do we say isaac to um to us (laughs) to us that have been a part of the church have been that other lost boy when we're on the porch and we're so close in proximity we're we're in the mcdonald's but we're not the burger right like how how can we uh still be challenged in this i think it's interesting when you contrast these two dudes one of them refuses against God's commands by leaving the house, and the other um, rebels against God's grace by refusing to enter the house. It's this idea there's a, in religion that there can be two ways to kind of leave God's side. One of them is by refusing to love him. The other is to refuse to be loved by him. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that the first son exemplifies that failure to uphold, failure to carry out the commands, failure to love God in the positive sense. And then the second son kind of refuses to be loved in the negative sense of receiving something. And um, I think that as religious people who've been in the church for a long time, I can very well be that second, that older brother who um, maybe it's even there's a refusal to receive grace, a refusal to come into the house, um, not only for other people, but for our own sakes, because if anyone should know better, it should be us. Right. And so that, there's a difficulty to receive the compassion that the father extends to the younger son for ourselves. Um, we should know better. Um, but then there's also the flip side of that where we deserve more. Um, I drew a line in my Bible when Ben was preaching yesterday from verse, uh, 18 that says, uh, where the younger son says, I will rise, go to my father and I'll say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven. Uh, and before you, and then over to verse 29, where he's, uh, the older brother says, uh, this many years I've served you and I've never o- disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat. And so there's a, there's a blame for oneself, for the younger son, and then the older son blames the father. Um, and sometimes I think mm-hmm. that there can be a blame towards God um, as the older brother for maybe not getting all that we think we should. Ministry is not all it's cracked up to be sometimes, and so we can become... A little bit bitter about that. But, yeah. yeah, Gracie, how have you felt yourself be that o- older son and felt uh, bitter towards God because you haven't received maybe the same accolades or same, uh, um, I guess, riches, <laughs> maybe even that others have received? How have you felt like that older older brother? I feel like when you work in ministry all the time, you you almost kind of lose your passion and appreciation for new people coming to the Lord. Um, I kind of realized it uh, when I was at my first camp this summer. I was like sitting there um, in worship and I was praying that I would see God, that I would feel him because I was like, I just for a long time, I haven't felt your presence. I haven't felt close to you. And like I'm working in ministry. Why do I not feel this? (laughs) And I was kind of just selfish. And then God told me, you goon, open your eyes. <laughs> and so I opened my eyes. Did he use the I'm, B word? The bonehead? That, that, bonehead. That's, that's, that's always been, been. your dad's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> no, he just, he was, he was very gracious with me and he just said, really open your eyes. And is in the middle of worship and I open my eyes and I look around and there's hundreds of kids with their arms raised, mm-hmm. praising the father. And I, and I was like, oh my gosh, how do I not, like, how am I so selfish to ask to feel something in my life that I can't even see how God's working in other people's lives. Yeah. And so just mm-hmm. kind of this idea that like in ministry, I think we get so focused on how we're serving the Lord and we're like, man, I just want some gratification of my own. Um, that a, we forget that we're a son or a daughter of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and B like we don't maybe appreciate God's work in other people's lives like we should. Yeah. Because we're like, I'm not being fulfilled. I'm not being um, gratified in this. And, yeah. yeah. I think the thing that Ben spoke to me yesterday is when you talked about the eldest son still gets two thirds. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that blows me. I, I just hadn't thought about that, right? It's like, mm-hmm. so we think about the prodigal son, him taking his percentage and him going, you're like, okay, that might be a massive percentage. 
No. I mean, one-third, it's, it's probably a lot, but still at the same time, two-thirds is still available to to the eldest son and the eldest son is still upset about it right Mm -hmm. he's still not uh gratified satisfied with what um he's going to attain because that instant gratification that instant satisfaction that happens with going out and having wild living or whatever whatever that might be that becomes the desire as opposed to the the recognition that the long game is that we have eternity ahead of us Mm -hmm. um and i said that speaks to me as being somebody who's been an older son my my whole life basically is like you know there's still a reward ahead right we still have um even if in this life or in this time in ministry we're not getting maybe gratified in, in whatever sense that might be god's still there with us and he's still going to supply for us and has supplied for us um and will continue to supply for us you know he, he says the father says uh everything i have is yours mm. right and that's a reminder like i've already given away one third mm-hmm. like all of this still yours yeah like so yeah open your eyes like you were saying Mm -hmm. open your eyes see the the glory that that is still available Mm -hmm. see the things that are still uh um for you Mm -hmm. and you need to open your eyes to this because if you don't what you're going to do is you're going to miss the entire point Mm -hmm. right and you're going to miss your opportunity to to minister to other people yeah one of the things i i was kind of laughing about as i was looking at the story and i kind of realized like as the father goes out on the porch to plead with his son well, first the son asks the servant because he's like, what is going on? Because he hears the party going on. And so he's standing outside and he's like, what's going on? And the servant says, well, your 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 kid brother came home and your dad has killed the fatted calf for him. And I was thinking like, I wonder if the older brother was in that moment was like, that's my cow. <laughs> that's not even his cow. Yeah. Like, that's my cow. What right does the father have to kill my cow for him? Like, because everything else is mine. Like, everything else is going to be mine. And so it's almost like, you're killing my cow to celebrate someone coming home that I despise, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I talked about was was kind of the idea that sometimes as long-term Christians, we can look at, like, for instance, where do the resources in the church go? And and we can we can be like, well, what if it, if, if it doesn't meet my needs, then... I didn't order this, and I'm one of the ones that, you know, how many times have we heard people say, well, you know, this segment of people or that segment of people, they're paying all the tithes, you know, they're the ones that are supporting the church, and yet... And all, the they're money, not, and all the money's going to the youth ministry. They're not getting the yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. They're not getting the benefit of it. And so, but you know, I think this is instructive for the church that we need to be the kind of place where um, we, as older brothers and sisters, are gladly giving up part of our inheritance to make sure that the party, the welcome party for prodigals, is legit. Mm. Yeah, and you know that's one of the things we talked about, and I think I mentioned that in one of the services, and maybe not the other, but yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. I mean, that that is that is true, but it, but it is hard for us to remember that. Right. To keep our, our mind focused on the fact that it's not about us, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that selfish uh, desires, <laughs> the selfish wants that we might have, uh, even like you're saying, in terms of the ministry side of it, you might say, well, yeah, these people give all the money and then youth ministry gets a, a slip and slide, you know, whatever that <laughs> may be, you know, it, we need to open our eyes to see like maybe that slip and slide is going to be the thing that brings people to Jesus, you know, and, and, and having that heart for saying it's not about me. And, and that's one of the things I think we struggle with as, as we 
as we grow in, in being a Christian and being in a church for a long time is you just, you take so much ownership of, well, I, I think that's funny what you, Ben, you just said about that cow. Like, that's my cow. Like, <laughs> like the two thirds, that's my cow. And same, and, and I think the same thing we do here is like, well, this, this is my church. That's my seat. You right, know, like right. that, that's my, you know, worship. That's my, uh, and it's like, no. What happens when it doesn't? What, what happens when it's not used in the way I want to see it used? Right. How many times have we seen church splits or people leave the church because they have that older brother mentality yeah. that says, unless it serves me, unless I have some control over the purse strings and unless it serves me, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to join the party. I'm going to stand out here and pout. Um, and... I think we can all we can all be that guy. Yeah. Um, well, and it speaks to like what uh, Kevin preached about before, right? Last last week that join the banquet. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like you need to choose the banquet every yeah, single time, 100%. even if you're like, man, I'm pretty set. This banquet's happening, <laughs> but but I, you still need to step into into that banquet because the, the God is there for you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, where are we going next week? We're almost done. We're getting close to the end of the book of Luke. Now you're probably thinking, wait, we're only in like chapter 16. Well, here's the thing. We already did the end of the story yes, we at did. Easter. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't been a part of our church since Easter, go back, listen to those sermons, because we're going to end in the very middle of the book to some extent. Well, we're not going right to right before finish, the Passion Week. Right before yeah. the Passion Week. Yeah. So, so we will be ending that here pretty soon. But where are we going next week? So next week is a very interesting text. Um, next week we're talking about the parable of the shrewd manager in Luke chapter 16. And this might be the most confusing <laughs> parable that Jesus ever told. And I think one of the more misunderstood parables, or at least maybe one of the hardest parables to swallow, because it is a challenging one to interpret. And I think a lot of people um, at first blush get it wrong. Mm. And so um, it'll be a lot of fun to kind of unpack it because I think there's going to be a lot of uh, aha moments. And that's one of the funnest things about studying to preach is that I get to have those moments. And hopefully I can. Um, it, it's really fun to watch other people have them, too, as I'm, I'm teaching through it. So hopefully we'll bring some clarity to a very muddy passage. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. You'll have to listen to the podcast next week because we will, we will unmud the mud, hopefully. <laughs> um but yeah, we're glad to be back. I said, I'm glad to be back. And I know that you guys have done the podcast over the course of the summer. So I appreciate you guys. And those listening. We, we limped it. Yeah, you limped it along. Yeah. We didn't even talk yet about the the uh, member of the week. Member of the week, person who has stepped up. I, I have somebody I'm going to I'm gonna share, share with them. Um, but it has to be, it's going to be two people. Okay, you ready for two people? So it's going to be Jeff Miller and Ben Dallery. <laughs> this yeah. summer, they stepped up and led, led uh, worship for us over the course of the summer and kind of took part of my job, which is great. I'm so blessed mm-hmm. that they were there. It was, it was awesome to be able to step away and not even think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, ben told me before I left, he said, it'll take you four weeks to where you before you start forgetting about church and i was like okay and it took about five five weeks and then, and then I, I was kind of had just kind of forgot that the, about the responsibilities and the way in which i went about that but but also just knowing confidently that i could hand that over to those uh people and them do an amazing job and yeah, so i really did. really appreciate it yeah. now another person i want to say to as well is gracie yeah. gracie on uh last week did a, a worship night if you were not here you missed out on worship night and there was the Lord was glorified. She led her whole thing. When I first saw the set list, though, I was blown away because there was like 17 songs on, on, on the set list. And I'm like, 
They're going to worship for three and a half hours. <laughs> like, how in the world are they going to do that? But she did tailor it down. Um, but that was awesome. Great having your your cousins here as yeah. well. Yeah, I had a great team. It was it was stressful, but it was also a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So, well, there's going to be a lot more of those times in your future where you're going to have be planning those things. I think it's great for you to see the 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 wins of that, but mm-hmm. then also the struggles of how much mm-hmm. work it takes to to get on that. Because yeah. Getting people out for those things can sometimes be hard, yeah. but um, but that was awesome. That was an awesome uh, yeah, event and, and and great to have some chance to... Because like you said, sometimes on Sunday morning, it's just too short, mm-hmm. right? And we need yeah. to have a little bit longer. Maybe and, not 17 songs, but... And Gracie did a wonderful job this summer while you and Heather were out just covering for Summit Kids Ministry and covering the bases there along with Sue and... Um, yeah, Sue and, sure Sue and Ev, well, man, so. just yeah. killing it. VBS yeah. is coming up. Yep. So that if you haven't, if you're listening to this, and you're like, man, I've got my kids signed up for VBS. Get your kids signed up for VBS. It's going to be, it's, it's historic. It's a historic mm-hmm. VBS. Inaugural that's taking place. HLCC. The inaugural first ever annual, whatever you would call that, uh, <laughs> VBS. So we thank you so much. We're, we'll be back next week and it's going to, and we're going to unpack, uh, some hard teaching, uh, by Jesus. And Ben is going to give us the goods next <laughs> week. So <woo-hoo>! thank <laughs> you so then. much. <laughs>